You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. Here at OKSIS, we believe women are multifaceted. Which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be informative. And silly. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Welcome back to OKSIS Podcast. My name is Mads. My name is Scout. Thank you so much for pressing play. We know there's a million options for your little ear holes, as Maddie says, to listen to on the podcast app. But the fact that you come back to OKSIS Podcast every week legitimately makes our lives better, happier, more proud, all of the things. So welcome. Scout, how was your first Mother's Day? It was beautiful. Thank you for asking. It was lovely to spend the day with my husband and baby LK. We went to Coronado. We had a lunch. I got incredibly exhausted. I'm having the the weather in San Diego is really crazy that I'm having insane allergies right now. So I had a hard afternoon slump. So baby LK and I got into bed and uh, put Parks and Rec on the projector and just kind of like cuddled and had a good time. She seemed so happy. I I miss her so much. She seemed like so, she knew she was daughter of the year. You know what I mean? Her personality and her awareness, she's now like a little human. Like she's such a little human. I'd say that she's closer to a toddler than she's a newborn at this point, I yeah. feel like. Like She's doing all sorts of things. She sees something she wants. She'll roll over to get it. She's smiling at you. She's laughing at you. She's holding up her bottle. Like it's, she's at a really, really fun age. And yeah, I'm like 
uh, it's too much. It's just too much. She's she's a doll. Yeah, I'll get into this. I feel like in my solo, which will have already came out, but I interviewed Chrissy Deacon last week. <laughs> Which was like so random. I was at dad's house for lunch and he was like, did you see that Maddie was with the legends? How did she get, what is a pop-up? How did she get invited to this? <laughs> what is a pop-up? Then he goes, did everybody get to interview them or just Maddie? Did she request that? Did they ask her? Did Did the legends reach out to Maddie? And I was like, oh okay, God. let me let me tell you how this works. Yeah. <laughs> No. So the PR company obviously reached out to me and was like, do you want to come to this pop-up, Chrissy Teigen, her brand Cravings is having a pop-up uh, in downtown LA. And they were like, and she'll be available for like, to be in a TikTok with you. And so I was like, sure, I guess. I really didn't realize like the magnitude of what I was walking into. I thought, I don't really even know what I expected, but I get there and there's all these people lined up and the woman that, you know, reached out to me, she found me and she's like, okay, Maddie, you're, you're going. And I, I was like, oh, so how many people are interviewing? And she said there was only like two or three other creators that were actually doing like filming a TikTok with her. Everyone else only got photos. And that was just fantastic. And so I asked her about her favorite spots in LA and she gave such amazing responses. If you want to watch the TikTok, it's on Camber at Camber app. And yeah, like John Legend was there. I get, again, I did not think he was going to be there and all the kids, the kids were so adorable and it was like a family affair. And the photo I took with them, I look like I'm their nanny. Yeah. Because I was going to say, if you weren't so pale compared <laughs> to them, <laughs> They're just like glowing. That is like literally the only determining like fact that like I'm the not only part of their family. Yes. Because other than that, <laughs> you truly, the energy, the vibe, the happiness on their faces looked like they were all hanging out with like their family. And then it's just the pale skin that gave it away for me. I literally know. And I look like I'm literally their nanny, their kid's nanny. Oh, it was fantastic. She was so delightful and nice. And yeah, what a, what a time. And it was, it's just, I talk about, you know, as we go into this episode about friendships, we talked a little bit about networks and I've found myself in this awesome network of LA food TikTokers and we just all know each other. It's like super small. And I met like a couple more that I've like known on the internet. They knew me. And so that was really fun to kind of like meet people in person. And I don't know. It's just, it feels, it feels, it was a good feeling all around. Yeah. I mean, you get invited to interview Chrissy T and I would say it's a good day. And <laughs> Fuck, that is my new family goals because holy moly, are they beautiful. Oh, they are drop dead gorgeous. It was like- It is. It was it a is little, just, it was intense. It was intense. Uh, yeah, the photo I was, it was radiating. It yeah, was radiating, radiating. Through the phone, radiating. Okay, let's get into this episode though. Um, more more uh, Chrissy Teigen debriefing to come in the solos, but we had the most incredible guest that I'm trying to like find the words to describe her because we've really met and we, we get into this in the episode. Like we never really like had a whole episode on friendship and Danielle Jackson came on. She's a friendship expert. She runs this site called betterfemalefriendships.com. And obviously she's a coach and she's an expert. She's an educator. And the how articulate she was about the research and making sure to, as she quoted, like intellectualize what female friendships mean and why they're so important, why they are, take up so much space in our life and why they 
you know, why they could be better in our lives. And I don't know, we just got through, we, we talked about gossiping, friendship breakups, how to make new friends, you know, what to do, like literal formulas. She gave you like scripts of lines to say in like very sticky situations when you're, you know, in the midst of gossip or you're, you know, trying to release a friendship, whatever the case is, like we get really nitty gritty into tactical ways to navigate all of these different types of friendship arenas, if you will. Yeah, it was such a good episode. And it really shocks me that we haven't had an episode like this in the almost five years of OKSIS podcast. But I really think that female friendships as a conversation topic is becoming more and more prevalent and is coming to the forefront. So Danielle was... I've known her like via the internet for a couple of years and I'm so happy we did this when we did this interview sisters liked it. We want to have her on for a part two. So DM us your questions that you might have because we think that this is a conversation that definitely belongs in the sisterhood hundred percent. So we hope you enjoy and without further ado, Danielle Jackson. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Danielle? I'm okay. Thank you for having me. Like I'm excited to, to chat a little bit. Oh yeah. Uh, Danielle, I'm so excited. We've I was on your podcast. This has been like two or three years in the making. I feel like, I don't know. I think I met you on fucking Clubhouse. Who knows what happened there? I don't know. You know, I don't know, but I know that you're here. And that's all that matters is that we're doing it. We're doing it. Okay. We're talking about friendship mm-hmm. today. So mm-hmm. this is interesting because I don't think Scout and I have actually had a whole dedicated episode with a coach or with an expert on friendship. We've definitely talked a bit about like how to show up in your friendships or relationships, but it's something I've I've been considering a lot as I'm entering into my, you know, 30s in a couple years now and realizing and assessing and kind of uh, like auditing the friends that I have around me. Right. And it's an interesting moment at this age to either be making new friends, to be maybe detoxifying friends that no longer serve me. Like it's a really interesting space. So talk, talk to us about kind of how you fell into this line of work. And I love that for you. I think a lot of us are right where you are. We're trying to figure out, okay, what do I want? What do I value? How do I cultivate a network that affirms who I am and what I'm pursuing? So I think we're all in the same boat. So you're in good company. So I'm a friendship coach and educator. And I always joke that, you know, I certainly didn't have friendship coach on my vision board when I was 10. Like definitely wasn't a thing. But I was actually a high school English teacher for about six years, became an academic chair, But between classes and after school, the students were coming to me, mostly female students, with their friendship drama. And I didn't realize at the time I was kind of unofficially coaching them through it, but that's what was happening for six years. And then when I left the classroom to get into public relations, I made the foolish mistake of thinking, oh, I'm dealing with these self-assured charismatic, high-achieving women. I'm sure I left that drama behind, you know? And I learned very quickly that like, yeah, there we're also secretly, privately exploring our friendship issues, but not in the forefront, right? Because we have to look like we've got it together as a self-sufficient entrepreneur. And so long story short, I realized that every stage of womanhood, we're trying to figure out how do I better relate to other women uh, in a healthy way? 
that's it. And so I kind of doubled down. And after that, I was like, okay, I have my education background. Let me get certified to coach. And so for the past six years, I research anything I can get my hands on regarding women's communication, cooperation, and conflict. And so as a coach, women will bring me in to help them navigate very common friendship issues. And and it's been a blessing to be able to support people in that way. It's so crazy because I was thinking about this the other day, you know, a little backstory on where I'm at in my friendships is that most of my friendships, I would say 75 to 80% of my inner circle girlfriends are all friends that I've had from elementary school, middle school, high school. So I grew up in a really, really small background, a really, really small community. We had 28 kids in our graduating class. So the majority of my inner circle of people I've known forever. And so in that way, they feel like family because there really hasn't needed to been this like getting to know you process, et cetera. And while we've kind of grown up together, we're all so different because we didn't necessarily go out into the adult world and find ourselves. Now, when I make new friends, I find it to be very disorienting and very strange. And I feel very insecure because I feel like I don't, you know, I second guess what I say. And when I go home and I'm like, was that what, you know what I'm saying? But there feels as if to me, and tell me if you've seen this across the board, when you're in a romantic relationship, there comes a point in your romantic relationship where you fight, where you argue, where you have communication issues, where you have to work through them. I find that with female friendships, at least maybe with mine, there's less, there's a lot more conflict avoidant behavior is happening. And it's not like our romantic relationships where you're like going head on to resolve something. It's like swept under the rug or you maybe tell another person about it or whatever it is. Is that something that you find common? Because I was just thinking like in my mind, that's one of the main distinctions between a romantic relationship and a girlfriendship is that I'm not like working on my communication and bringing things up and having fights, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And literally (laughs) right now I'm writing, I'm finishing my manuscript. My book is about the art and function of conflict in female friendships, because the research finds that while women's friendships are deeper than men's friendships on average, they are more fragile. And that speaks to exactly mm. what you just said of like, okay, well, I know I'm going to go through with my with my man. Like I, ex- I anticipate conflict. I know we've got to work through it. Like there's a script. I know how this goes. With friends, there is less security. I wonder if it's because we intuitively know that this is a little more fragile. So do I feel as secure and safe to bring up, hey, what you said last night kind of made me feel some kind of way. What did you mean by that? Because we know a lot of things are going to happen. Am I going to be seen as being difficult? Because we have not normalized a woman speaking up for what she wants without looking like a difficult woman. So is there that? Is she going to take this back to our mutual friends and I'm portrayed a certain way? Is she going to think that me bringing it up means I have beef with her when really I just wanted to get clarification on the thing? And then there's, you know, women are more prone to ruminate. So we're thinking about it. So there are a lot of factors that go into why we might be a little less comfortable in bringing things up, which kind of manifests in itself in what you see of like, okay, so do I just avoid conflict altogether so we can be cool? So it's 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 definitely tricky. And yes, I see what you see 100%. So what would you suggest then? Because I can think of many a time where I just avoided confrontation because of all the things you just listed, I didn't want them to think that my feelings were hurt or I also was just like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, whatever. What is some suggestions you have for when you want to bring something up. You know, for me, I've seen in the past, I usually am not the one to instigate it, but 
what has worked for me is someone, um, you know, a friend will call me instead of like doing it over text message, which I think is so much more, you see the inflection in their voice, you understand it, even though it still like gets my heart racing, it is so much better over a phone call than over like a text and, and communication gets, you know, whatever over text. So what are some ways if, if people are listening that are like, oh shit, yeah, I do want to like approach her about this one thing she does or says, and I don't want to make her feel, you know, hurt her feelings. What are, what are some like gentle ways to confront that? Yeah. I love that. And I love, uh, gosh, I so appreciate what you just said about you know, you want to, she wants to communicate her tone the right way. So yes, it might be super awkward, but it helps the message land the way it was intended, as opposed to these barriers of, you know, what did that emoji mean? And what does this text mean? You know? Um, (laughs) So yeah. So there are a couple factors first, because first I want to validate for some of us, we are, I understand our reluctance because we're dealing with somebody who is hypersensitive, very defensive, personalizes everything. She often brags boldly and vocally about cutting people off if they try her. If you're dealing with that kind of company, you have every right to feel a little insecure about mentioning something because she hasn't demonstrated over the course of your friendship that she is able to be resilient and humble and open-minded in that way. So I totally understand if that's the person we're dealing with, right? But if you're dealing with somebody who has shown you evidence over your friendship that she has your best intentions at heart, that she speaks clearly, you don't have to kind of guess at her subtext. Like if you're dealing with that, you're in a safe space to go ahead and, and, and push and see if you guys can stretch in that way. But I think what can help some of us get a little more bold in bringing things up is remembering that you cannot experience platonic intimacy without healthy conflict. It's that simple. I might feel close to you. We might have like a little chemistry and we're having like a fast friendship, but inevitably there are going to be moments that the desires, needs, and boundaries that you bring to the table are going to converge with the desires, needs, and boundaries that I bring to the table. There's going to be a clash. The question becomes what next though? Because it's going to happen. What next? So if you are experiencing a little like tension, that is totally normal. The next step would be to assume best intentions with your friend because sometimes we're coming in hot when we bring it up. Assume best intentions. She showed me over the course of our two-year friendship that she has my back, okay? Assume best intentions. And then also try to maybe disarm her by beginning with vulnerability. So when women are like, how do I even start this conversation? I like to do this exercise. I ask, what is the number one reason you're reluctant to have this talk? That should be your first sentence. So if I'm scared she's going to pop off, I'm scared it's going to be like awkward. I'm scared it's going to bring drama in the friend group. That's the first thing out of my mouth. So I wait until there's a playful moment. That's my style. Till we're on a high, I wait for a pause. And then I allow the the good vibes to absorb some of the friction of what I'm about to say, to buffer some of that energy. And so we're coming down off of a big laugh and I say, hey, um, so I wanted to bring something up to you. I've been thinking about it for like a long time, but like the last thing I want is for it to be like awkward between us. But then I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? Like, it's important to me that we're on the same page. So I just wanted to run something by you. I've just told you that I'm kind of scared. I want to connect with you. And I'm doing this because I think the friendship's worth it. That's why I'm bringing it. If I didn't care, I would not be bringing it up. I'd be like, let me just let this ride. And so I think like, honestly, it starts with our attitude toward conflict itself. And when we stop seeing it as a scary thing, you see it as a pathway to the kind of platonic intimacy that you've been looking for. 
Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Okay, sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. Ugh, thinning hair just isn't the vibe. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Amen. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth just doesn't cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow through different stages, such as postpartum, like me. After I gave birth, I noticed that around the crown of my head, my hair was shedding. I've been taking Nutrafol for almost three months at this point, and I am not kidding you when my husband, my friends, my family have been commenting on how long, strong, and healthy my hair has been looking lately. I mean, sisters, if you've been watching OK Sister on YouTube, you've seen my hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. I mean, 86% is a lot of women. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. 
Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code OKSIS. Yeah, the scared of conflict thing. Oh, gosh. That script also that you just said, everyone like plug and play, like put in whatever, because that is so good. And I want to even go to like a little bit of the root because I'm hearing you and I'm like too afraid because of confrontation. And by the way, I'm not like thinking of a friend or a situation at this moment, but just thinking of historically my life, I'm like, okay, I hear you, Danielle, and that's really profound, but I can't shake this feeling inside of me that if I bring up conflict with a friend, it's exhausting. It's like, I'm difficult, as you said, I'm not perfect. I hurt this person. They hurt me. Like it feels I'm, I'm a conflict avoidant person by nature. And I would, I would maybe predict that a lot of women in general might, might be conflict avoidant. What are some ways specifically with friends that we can get over that conflict avoidance before we even have that conversation so that we can feel safe expressing that beautiful formula that you just expressed? Yeah. Well, the first thing is a lot of times when we use the word vulnerability for women, especially we think of self-disclosure. Oh, I can be vulnerable because I can, I can tell her my stuff. I think that's, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That's, that's nice. That's true. That's one form. The best way I've heard vulnerability defined is you're taking a risk of rejection. It is very vulnerable to raise an issue with a friend. I want to be able to do more than say I'm struggling with a baby and, and business is hard. And yeah, that's one form. Another form of possible rejection is me saying like, hey, I feel some kind of way about what happened yesterday. What did you mean by that? Because like, I, I, I don't want to misunderstand you. I want to make sure we're good. You're absolutely right. It is vulnerable. There's a chance she might reject me here. But I think, and this sounds like a very pedestrian, very juvenile exercise, but it seems so simple we overlook it, is to write out the pros and cons of saying nothing. Because it's going to cost you something. Every decision you make has a cost. So deciding to not bring it up, well, what tends to happen? We vent about her to our spouse and he's like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Uh, okay. I know I'm generalizing, but they're like, I don't know. You know, uh, we talk about it to other friends. Now we risk, do I look like I'm I'm talking crap? Like I'm gossiping about her. We don't respond to her texts right away because we're like, uh, make kind of like passive aggressive remarks or like we're measuring our words. It's going to cost you something. And so mm-hmm. I'm not going to say like, oh no, she's just going to accept you. Just go for it. I mean, there's a risk. She might take it the wrong way. There's always that risk. But man, if she doesn't and the opposite outcome happens where she's like, oh my gosh, I can't can't believe you were feeling that way. Like, thank you for telling me you get your needs met. She's informed of what's required to love you better. And you guys become closer than before. But from the friend on the other side, I'm sure you would want to know if a friend was like, God, I'm kind of upset about what Scout said to me, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring it up. You'd be like, what? What? Oh my God, please tell me. So hopefully the right people the right people are, are eager to get that data. Totally. And I think exactly what you just said about giving the friend the benefit of the doubt almost because like when the re- roles are reversed and someone is approaching me about something, I am super like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. I didn't mean it. You know, that I'm really apologetic in that moment. And so, yeah, like if you think about it, those friends are going to also 
react that way just because that's the type of friendship that you have. And that's also the history of how I've reacted to you. So they probably take that energy on when it's the other way. I want to talk about gossip because this has been, Mm. this is something you just mentioned it. And it's something I think about a lot. I don't even know where I read this, but, and I'm going to butcher it, but basically, you know, when we're gossiping, we think that we're bonding with the person, whereas we're actually showing the person how we speak about people. So on like a subconscious level, this, our friend that we're gossiping with is thinking, oh, she probably talks about me this way to other people. When I heard that, it like flipped everything in me because me and my friends always joke that we love to gossip, right? And I've been trying to change that narrative and like unlearn it a little bit because obviously it doesn't make you feel as good as you think it's going to feel in the moment. And also you're projecting a version of yourself that you probably don't want people to think of you like that. So I guess maybe just start like, why do we gossip? <laughs> and what are some ways when it's act, when it's happening in the moment and we, and a friend is gossiping to us or something like, how do we like turn the conversation to get it out of like gossip territory without being like, Oh, sorry, I don't gossip anymore. Like, Oh, I'm not going to talk about that. And, and so then it becomes boring. You know what I mean? So maybe start there. You're like, Oh, you don't want to gossip snooze, bored, yeah. tomato, tomato. <laughs> First of all, let me validate you. Gossiping does feel really good. And let me tell you why. Because gossip itself is neutral. Research finds that most of the gossip, meaning talking about a person who's physically not present, most of our gossip is neutral, meaning it's not positive or negative. And that women, quote unquote, by definition, gossip more than men because our conversation is about people. We're interested in people. Like, what did you hear? What, 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 what? The difference maker, and I got this from Deborah Tannen, who's a linguist. The difference is, are you talking about or are you talking against? I love talking about people. Wait, what did she say? Oh my gosh, where, wait, where is she working now? No way. You know what? That makes sense because she she is so fashionable. Like it makes sense to me that she would work there. I love talking about people too. A lot of us do. Um, but you're right. We have conflated. If you're talking about someone who's not there, like only small-minded people do that. No, people who are interested in people do that. That's what sociologists are all about. And it's also what we need to do to establish norms and to know who's an ally and who's an enemy. So if I'm new to a job, and while I'm talking to somebody who's onboarding me, they say, um, "You, hey, Danielle, you want to be careful because you know last week we had a girl who did X, Y, Z, and she was fired for that. That's important information I need to know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. If people are telling me like, hey, be careful because you know Kara has a tendency to to do this and it might get you hurt for that. I see how that's borderline, but for me, that was information I need to know on how to be safe here, who to trust, and who not to trust. So a lot of us, we love talking about people because we enjoy talking about norms and the development of other people's lives. It's so interesting. But again, your guide can be, am I talking about her or am I talking against her? That'll help you differentiate right there if you're if you're okay without feeling shameful because it's like, well, we're not supposed to talk about people. So I guess I'm wrong. Okay. So that would be the nuance that I like to offer. The last thing I'll say before answering your question about like how to get out of bad gossip, right? When you feel like kind of icky, you feel complicit. So I'll tell you some scripts in just a second. But one interesting thing too, from like a patriarchal standpoint is the word gossip used to just mean god sib like a god sibling like the women who were in the room helping you care for the baby like my god sibs okay but what do we do when we're all together we chatter we're talking 
But men see a bunch of women talking and it looks like frivolous, sinister gossip. But that's because of what they believe about women. If we're talking about stuff, it must be, you know, just, they're just chatty Cathy's, okay? And then it came to take on a big sinister meaning. But gossip means I'm talking about people who are not around. So if you find yourself in a room with women who are doing it in the way that's just, it's not okay. And they're like coming for this girl talking about her money situation and her style, okay? A couple of things you can do. One, you say nothing. And that depending on the circumstances, because gossip thrives when it's fun, you need to be unfun to tell it to. So if somebody's like, yeah, so you heard her dad is financing the business. That's not even her. I'm just like, mm. <laughs> yeah, because that's like, it's not fun. Like uh, they're not going to yeah. keep going like, okay, all right. Well, okay. So that's, that's one that's like more passive, but that's one way to kind of shut it down is to be bored. Right. If they push you just be like, I know, but it's just like, we keep talking about Kara and her dad's money. And I don't know. I'm just like bored of it. What's next? You know, like to show like, this is boring can stop it. The second thing is you can empathize with the subject. So if they say, yeah, I heard that, you know, Daniel cheated on her, but she cheated on him too. But I'm going to say, oh, gosh, I mean, I don't know. Just like if, if I knew people were talking about my bedroom business, I'd be mortified. So like, I don't know. I don't want to say anything. Okay. That way it's like, I identify with the subject. I feel bad for her. So I can't really contribute. And the last thing I'll suggest, and this is my favorite way of doing it because you don't want to come across as self-righteous is if somebody's giving me a little tea, I like to say like, Oh, let me, let me hush. Cause there's like so much I can add here, but I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better. So let me just hush. That way it's like, I'm in it with you, but I'm also showing you, I don't agree that this, this is not okay to me. So I can't let myself participate. It's playful, but it's also sending a clear message of, I'm not going to do this with you. What you just said is so important because so many of us think that just because we're talking about a friend that we're gossiping, like to understand that distinction. And I actually really, really bet Mads that because, you know, we're humans, like, but I bet that if, if we took all of our friends and we all did an audit of how many times we're talking about or against, we're probably talking about much more than against. Like sometimes when my friends and I talk about someone who's going through a rough time or whatever, it's almost like if you really dissect it, it's much more of a, like, how can we help her get out of this or how, you know what I mean? It's usually supportive, but I think that we are or it's just like facts, whatever. Oh yeah, this happened, this happened, whatever. Or, oh, she moved here and she got this job or, you know, just like neutral stuff. I would actually bet that when women talk about women, or at least in our circle, it's bad, that it's it's a much more about than against. Like I would bet on average, it's like 75% about versus 25% against, which I think that what you just said, like this patriarchal idea and what the word gossip has meant has just been used, I'm seeing now, to make women feel bad about talking. <laughs> oh, amen. Oh my God. That is so true. Okay. I want to talk about friendship breakups because yeah. I one want to get your advice on like ghosting versus like actually saying something. I think that's like a topic that is talked about a lot. I'll talk from personal experience. I, I tend to be a person that holds on to a friendship probably much longer than it needs to exist. And something, Same. yeah, something that came to be in the past couple of years is a friend that I was, you know, best friend status for quite some time. And I noticed that she was really the one always reaching out to me. And then suddenly she stopped 
And I wasn't reaching out because there were moments where I felt a little inferior in their friendship, whatever. She stopped reaching out. I never really did reach out. So then it just faded. Like I haven't spoken to her in years. And so, and I think, you know, I've, I've ruminated on this. And at first I was like, oh shit, no, like, let me reach out because I want, you know, we need to keep it going. It's like weird if, what if we see each other one time, da, da, da. Whereas then I was like, you know what? That's, it's okay. Like, it's really fine. It's not a bad thing. There was no falling out. We're in completely different parts of our lives. We live in very different areas (laughs) and it's okay that, that friendship ran its course. So I think there's like two sides of this, of people that like really need to detox negative, you know, friendships and relations in their life, but then also like be okay with ones that just fade and, and accepting that. I know. I am always so fucking guilty of like yeah. the friendships fading, the friendships naturally fading. And I'm going to go in and motherfucking like say, let's go to lunch. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to insert myself because, and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I, I I'm busy. This isn't serving her, me, everyone. And I just have like this need to like hold on to everybody. And it's terrible. It's like hoarding friends. It's not good. Okay. Tell us what to do. <laughs> No, that's so funny because I think it's like so many of us, right? I was actually working with a client who was trying to figure out like, "Ah, I think I want to let this friendship go. And I'm doing my whole like, okay, well, let's weigh pros and cons, you know. And um, I asked her, I said, can I ask, why do you keep reaching out? Like why? It's because our objective is I want to release. The action is contradictory to our objective. Why do you keep reaching out? And she said, I mean, well, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be like rude. Like if too much time passes and I, I need to reach out to be like, Hey, how are you doing? I was like, but do do you enjoy y'all's conversations? No. And so I think the question becomes the meaning that we assign to friendship dissolution. If we think it's a failure, that it's rude, it reflects on you as a friend, you can't keep a friend. Like what meaning are you assigning to the friendships that dissolve? If for you, you have internalized it as a personal failure or a a marker of some kind of inadequacy, you will always be holding on to friendships that have passed their expiration date. So we have to find a way to allow some friendships to end and not start to go to like, wait, but what does it say about, like, what does it say about me? And I'll, I'll be honest, I've been thinking a lot lately about what constitutes a successful friendship? Like what's a success, one that lasts for a really long time or one where you guys really offered things to each other in the season. It was just like this really beautiful, mutual, like season of like goodness, man, it was successful. One where you felt okay to advocate for yourself. And you know, what does successful friendships mean? Because if we keep trying to make duration the marker of success, I'm really fearful of what that means for our life satisfaction, you know, all those things. So that's just kind of, first of all, is being okay with it. What you just said about the duration, like BFF, best friend forever. There is some, and I never thought about that. Like it really is the marker of success for us where we're like, oh my God, if they're not in my life forever, I need to invite them to my wedding to be a bridesmaid, da, da, da. And it's like, no, that... I could have just been your best friend for a season, for a period, and that is success. That's really beautiful. I love that. Totally. But it's like that's not as catchy on a friendship bracelet, you know, like best friends for a season. (laughs) 
Too many, too many letters. So yeah, but you're absolutely right. Because when we're growing up with cultural mantras, like best friends forever, ride or die, then when I don't keep it going, ah, what does that say about, about me? Also, I'll just say this because it's like I could like I wrote a whole chapter on it, but also women's number one resource is connections, is relationship. That's our thing. And so when you start to lose relationship, we do think like, oh my God, what is this? What does this say? Like I need a bunch of connections. I need my resources. I need my relationships. So I think we need to like explore that. I'll just say that. But you know, the research shows that we replace about half of our friends every seven years. To me, that says that there's gonna be some natural friendship pruning that happens. You grow, you know, think about seven years and and people get into numerology. It's very symbolic, but that's a nice big cycle. A lot of things have happened. And so if I tell myself logically, can I really expect to be holding on to people I, I was tight with at 22 at 35? I don't know that I can do that. And then I'll end with this. There's research that also suggests that you only have the cognitive capacity for three to five close relationships. If that's the case, I truly, I truly can't. I truly can't put everybody in this space. Now, the good news is that it's fluid and none of those things are fixed, but I I just can't. Time is a limited resource. As women, we're responsible to do so many things. We're, We're the caregivers and all this. I can't find extra hours for everybody. And so if some fade away because I'm, I'm pouring into these more than these, that's just what it is. And, uh, and I have to not associate that with my feelings as a friend. That's amazing. Yeah. For me, it's like, I feel like I'm a people pleaser. So if I'm not their friends, you know, do they not like me? You know what I'm all that, that jargon. I, I have a question about being in friend groups. Mm -hmm. Because I'm actually not really in a friend group so much. Right now, it's more of like I like my friends know each other and can all hang out with each other. But I'm a little bit more like one friend, one friend, one friend, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What do you do when one friend A is mad at friend B, friend A tells you, friend B asks, are they mad at me? Friend A said, did you talk to friend B? Like, what do you do? Because it's not a great place to be. And I just like, I don't want to lie, but I also don't want to, you know, what's the word, you know, not keep my word that I, you know, was whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to, yeah. What do, what do you do? Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. 
Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Well, I'm curious. I know I'm putting you on the spot. What do you normally do? I uh, ignore the question and I deflect. (laughs) I just like, I state, I state an about, I state an obvious statement that doesn't, oh, maybe I'm doing the right thing, Danielle, because I say something that that gives off, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about that. That's not where I can contribute to the conversation. And it's just a simple, like, I'll literally just say a fact about that person back, <laughs> about like what they're going through or something, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And then it just naturally moves because I've kind of like ended the conversation there. Yeah. And if that works for you where the friend like stops putting you in the middle and then you guys can move on, I mean, hey, do whatever works. Like I could totally see that being effective, saying something that doesn't, like we said earlier, it doesn't like perpetuate the conversation so they stop. That's effective. Sounds effective to me. I'll tell you, um, a couple months ago, I learned this because I'm always learning new things. There's a new study that came out that was talking about people who remain neutral. They choose to remain neutral. And it said that people who say, you know what, I'm just neutral, are often perceived as less trustworthy than the person who's on the total opposite side of their argument. And it's because we're always suspicious of, are you telling the truth? Are you just saying that because you don't want me to like come at you because you don't want people to be mad at you? Like what's real? So they said the more effective thing to do is to state, is to go one step further and state the reasons you are neutral. That becomes more believable. So I might say, you know, maybe friend A is like, I don't know. I just feel like she's being kind of, you know, pissy and I don't like her attitude. And the other friend's like, I just feel like she's overly sensitive. And you're like, ah, I might say, "Ah, I mean, I hear you. I do. Um, I'm kind of in the middle because I think what you said to her yesterday was kind of spicy, right? But I also think she responded way too strong. So on this one, I just, I'm going to have to let y'all work that out. There's something about it where it's like, yeah, I can walk away being like, you didn't give me the validation I'm looking for, but I respect it. I believe you. And it kind of puts it back on me. Um, you could go one step further and say, I want you guys to work it out. And I'm trying to actually like, figure out ways to get y'all back together because I know you love each other at the end of the day. But I also don't want to push you if you're not ready. So, you know, so I call that telegraphing your dilemma. So how you're torn on the inside, say that out loud. You don't have to wait till you have the perfect thing to say. Say, oof, you know, I'm kind of torn because on one hand, like I, I understand where y'all are coming from. But on the other hand, like, I want you guys to work it out because you have so much love for each other, but I also don't want to push you if you're not ready. So that's that's my ongoing stance on this situation. What do you do if one friend, you don't like the way something's going on, right? And it's maybe, I don't know, I'll make, you know, maybe it's an ongoing issue. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something they said, whatever, whatever, whatever. And you want to bounce it off a friend just to see if there's something you're not missing or just to express because sometimes I find that I don't like going to the person I have conflict with until I've audibly, emotionally, verbally processed it. That's how I process. And so sometimes I have to talk about it with somebody else to run it through, to get the energy out, to get that like 
anger at the initial anger to then soften, to be like, oh, you know, and to tap into my empathy and compassion. So what do you think about that? Because sometimes like, let's just say my friend is doing this pattern and it's making me feel X, Y, and Z, but it's really irritating and triggering me and I need to process it before I go to her. So I call Maddie and I'm feeling, you know, triggered. And so I'm just speaking freely to say the things, to move the energy, to get it out. Maybe some of those things are nice. Maybe some of those things are perceived as gossip. Maybe my sister's like, or my friend, whoever I'm calling is kind of like, yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and then the energy dispels and we can have a conversation about it. How do you dispel and and put yourself back in a center of calm if you're feeling pissed or angry or you're not, you don't like what they're doing. Is it wrong to go to a friend and vent about it and talk about it? Maybe if your language isn't exactly the, the nicest thing. Do you know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. I think you have two options there. The first is you go to betterfemalefriendships.com and hire a friendship coach and work it out with them. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I like <laughs> that. Know, I like that option. Yeah, I love that option. That's, you know? that's the kosher option. That's, that's, kosher. that's the best scenario. It's nice and clean. But no, to, to your point, and I know people are like, okay, is this wrong or right? Is it wrong or right? Because we're trying to move ethically, but also I think that's where it becomes, because I'm like you, when I'm saying things aloud, I'm like, oh, okay, as it's coming out of my mouth, right? It helps me untangle what's going on. I think that's also where it's really nice to have somebody you trust who knows your character, who you don't have to keep speaking in caveats. I mean, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but but I'm not trying. Somebody who can just say the thing. And this person knows you so well that they're not leaving being like, ooh, that was shady. Like, so some of us have a tight vault where we can do all that. We don't have to explain, give qualifiers. And their intention is to help us. They're trying to genuinely help us figure it out. And we're like, I got a plan. Thank you for that. And now we approach the situation with a little more perspective. So personally, I don't think there's anything, quote, wrong with that. If everybody involved knows the objective of this conversation is I'm trying to figure out how to go back in and handle this issue. That's one of the benefits, in my opinion, of friendship. You're helping me mediate problems in my life. And so some of my problems are people, you know, so, so I think right there, it depends on the intention you have when you're doing it and being with the vault where you don't have to spend so much time explaining your intentions because they just get it. I love that. I think that's, I think that makes complete sense. And I think like, especially with a sister relationship, that vault is pretty secure. So yeah, going to a sister feels really safe in that way. I want to touch on, and maybe we'll end with this topic making new friends, because this is something that I get asked about a lot. And it's very interesting because, you know, I went to USC. I made all my friends in Los Angeles at college. And thankfully, all of us stayed in Los Angeles. So I had a friendship, a friend group like throughout my 20s. And I felt very fortunate about that. I didn't really even realize that that was, you know, something to be grateful for until I noticed people you know, in my, in my job, I, I run like a travel recommendations app and we do all these community events. And I would say 80 to 90% of the people that come to these like walk clubs that I put on have just moved to the city in the past six months and they're looking for friends. And it's amazing that I like have created this portal for them to make friends. It wasn't my intention, but it's amazing ancillary benefit of it. But 
I just started to like recognize because people would comment on TikTok and this and be like, how do I make new friends in the city? I just moved to LA. How do I make new friends? Where do I go? I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize this was such like an epidemic. Like people have no idea where or how to make friends. And so even just in my own life, you know, as we do the podcast, there's, there's people that come on the podcast that like, I want to be friends with. And like, as Scout was saying in the beginning, it feels like dating. Like you're literally, I second guess what I'm going to text them. I get like, my heart starts to beat and I'm like, oh my God, are they going to think I'm weird? Am I texting them too much? Am I texting them too little? How often do I see them to continue the friendship? And it's just this like, whoo, this ongoing thing. So talk to us about what, like, why is it so difficult, first of all, in like your late twenties and early thirties to make new friends? And also, you know, what are some tips to like, you know, how often should we be talking to them? How, you know, whatever, like, how do we get the cues if they do all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I'll give you three reasons why I think it feels challenging in adulthood. The first is I think some of us cannot get past our shoulds. And by that, I mean, we feel like, uh, I should have made all my friends in college. I should have made my friends in high school. What does it mean that I'm like looking for friends at 30? Like, oh my God. I think that's the first thing. Because if you feel like you're doing something wrong to be in a season of friend making already right there, that's going to impact the way that you engage as you go and make new connections because you feel embarrassed about it and you feel like you're behind. Okay. But think about what we said a little bit earlier about that friendship pruning that every seven years, right? If that's the case, that means everybody around you, there's a good chance y'all are synced up in the same season where you're positioning yourself like you're available to new connections. So it's literally never too late. And a lot of us need to get past that. A lot of us are making our best friend at 37, and you don't even know yet, okay? So, and you might have multiple best friends over the course of your life, okay? So the first thing is get over, oh, I should have made friends. I'm so embarrassed about how behind I am. It's not true. That's the first thing. The second thing I think is time. It's the number one thing I hear people say, I don't have time to be like at the bar and at the club. I mean, I don't have time. I understand that. It means you need to be maybe a little more strategic, but you do need to find a way to be intentional about positioning yourself to meet new people and cultivate something with them. We talked about that three to five space, right? Okay, so who are people who you're curious about, who you can bring into your life in a more intentional way? Because we can't do that with everybody. We gotta be strategic. And the last thing I would say is, I think we think we know ourselves. And so we cut ourselves off from a lot of opportunity. Like we know our type, just like with dating. Like, "Ah, I don't know, she seems too quirky. She seems not quirky enough. I don't know. Like we have made our mind up about what we like, what we don't, the kinds of friends we're looking for. And ironically, it cuts us off from accessing like huge pools of connection because you have limited yourself and you are no longer curious as a person like a child is. So how can I adopt some childlike curiosity? Like, okay, she seemed cool. Like, okay, I wonder what could happen here. She, I'm open. I'm open to this. Like remaining open because we are so scared of rejection. And uh, the final thing I'll say is you have to adopt the attitude of, I am a connector. That is who I am. It is not just what I do. Because if you see it as something you're going to try on, like she seems close to like, maybe I'll reach out, but I don't know. Like what if she, that's all very valid. Don't get me wrong, but you need to be reaching out because that is who you are. That is an extension of who you are. She might say no, but like, that's what you do though. That's what you do. Hey, like I loved recording with you on the show. This might seem like a little random, but if you were ever in LA and you want to grab coffee, um, you have like an ongoing invitation. Like, let's do that, please. You know what's crazy is most people are going to say yes. 
most people are going to be like, um, yes, I felt that too. And so I know there's risk involved, but most people are hungry for connection just like you. And they're flattered by the fact that you considered them to like keep things going with. That's so beautiful. I want to I just ask a quick – it relates to this is – networking versus friendships because right now in the season of my life you know the season of my life is I have those friends from college and I always have them even though we don't see each other maybe like once a month at least on my end like I always have them and and that's amazing and I love that and they serve a very specific purpose whereas now I'm in this season of like you know I'm a female founder so I have now this like amazing network of female founder uh, friends basically and then I also you know have a, a large network of like content creator friends and I because I, I want to be I want to be surrounded by people like that first of all because it's like what I'm going towards and I want there's similarities and there's whatever we want to I want to talk to people who are going through the same stuff as me but what I've noticed is like I don't know one, I don't even know if I want to completely bridge it into like friendship territory. I think I'm just naturally friendly. So it kind of like the conversation doesn't really only talk about career. Like we'll talk about other like life stuff as well. So I'm open to that, but it's like, is it okay just to have this like, you know, network and it doesn't go past the threshold of like best friends, because as you had mentioned, you know, we can really only have like four to five, like very true friend, true, um, like relationships. So I kind of like go back and forth. Cause I'm like, Oh, should I be reaching out more? Should we become friends, friends? But it's like, actually it might be nice just to have this kind of more light network of pools of people. Cause I, in the past two years, it's expanded dramatically for me, which I feel very fortunate about, but I haven't really crossed the bridge of like being friend friends with them. Does that make sense? Wait, before you answer Danielle, I, I want to add something onto that, which I think is so good is that I, I, there's obviously a point of like acquaintances or like there's different circles that you have that aren't the three to five, but where I get tripped up is it's really hard for me like I love my best friends because I don't have to think and I can just be like, I need a favor. I need this, but like, can you help me? And they're like, yeah, I got you. But when it's not that intimate and it's like, I need something or I need help or I need someone to resonate with, or I need a tip. I feel like, okay, I gotta like, how are you doing? And let's go to lunch. And I respect your time. And then like four hours later, I'm like, Hey, can you get me that thing real quick? Or, Hey, I'm really fucked. I need this help. You know what I mean? And so that's where I don't do a boundary and I just become way too close mm. with people because I feel like I can't be that like automatic me, I have to put on all the fucking annoying social formalities to get to the point, if that makes sense. And I don't want people treating me that way, but I feel like everyone, like, I feel like people are going to get mad if I, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You're asking two different questions here. Really uh, super quick. The first is, I know we were talking about like that three to five, like if you think of a circle and three to five are close friends, but the, the ring outside of that, like the next layer is 10 to 15. So 10 to 15, like, oh, we're friends. Like she's not, I'm not going to tell her my life you know, secrets, but yeah, we're cool. There's 10 to 15. So there's space. And uh, in sociology, they refer to that as our weak ties. And there's a bunch of research saying there's tons of benefits of having weak ties. In fact, that people who have more are happier, but that goes into a whole other, you know. So you need, yeah, you need that. There's research that finds that you're more likely to find a job through somebody who's in your weak tie section because they have one foot in a different world than you. 
because they're they're out there. So they can like help us like learn things and, and put us on in certain things because we're in a different kind of bubble than our close friends who were all in the same little bubble. So that's great. And I will say coaches and entrepreneurs, specifically like newer entrepreneurs, are some of the loneliest people I know. I think it is because we're on and everything's business and we're coaching them and it's business, business, network, network. I think those people need to get in touch with what else do you have to offer the world outside of the whole business thing? Like, let's get back in touch with like, who are you outside of what you do for work? You need to be putting yourself in some some circles that affirm those aspects of your identity so you can feel a little more seen. And so it's cool to have all business friends. Like you guys get it. It's a very specific lifestyle. Like they get it. Okay. But when I'm not on in that way, what else do you have? Are you a creative? Do you like making content? Are you a mom? Are you, you know, a black Christian woman? Like what are those other things? You need communities that affirm those aspects of who you are to kind of uh, take away a little bit, quell some of the loneliness we might feel and being strategic in that way. But I know it's a challenge for uh, entrepreneurial, high achieving women because so much of their identity becomes what they can accomplish. And then that's like the only social network around you. And it's very restrictive. Uh, but I'll end with this. But re- uh, the research says that people with relational diversity are happier people. So, I mean, there's like a, a billion reasons of why we need to diversify a little bit. Oh my God, it's so weird. I'm like being pulled. I know we have to wrap, but I'm being pulled in like so many different internal uh, areas, which is that, you know, the it's not a, a, fuck, what's his name? Woody Allen quote. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a Woody Allen quote, but he said it in one of his movies. I don't know if it's him, but he said it in one of his movies. I would never be part of a club who would have someone as me as a member. That's mm-hmm. like rang so true to me my whole life where like, I don't really want to be in the room with people who are exactly like me. But then if they're too opposite of me, I'm like, I can't relate to this shit. This is way too different. So anyways, I need to go journal. I have some things to think about. <laughs> um, Danielle, can you, oh, let's ask our favorite last question. Yeah. We ask everyone who comes on OK Says This, if you could brag about one thing and you can't be humble, what would you brag about? Mm, God, I think I would brag about um about my teaching skills I I feel like I'm an educator through and through and so I love that I've been blessed with that gift and it's something that I really enjoy shining in in that space god I love that you asked that it's so hard to just like say the thing without being like oh my god does this make me look braggy um but yeah I would say uh shining as an educator is feels like my purpose so I'm very blessed to be able to do that that's amazing. And I I mean, I can't, com- I was going to say, can confirm that this is definitely a gift of yours. So I'm so happy that you've, your whole life has been dedicated to that. All right. Tell everyone where they can follow you, learn more about you, also learn more about your services, all the things. Yeah. So everything lives at betterfemalefriendships.com, but I am often on TikTok running my mouth at the friendship experts. So I, I appreciate you all like facilitating a moment to have this chat. It is so important. Uh, the research finds that the number one thing that determines um, our overall life satisfaction and our well-being is the quality of our relationships. So I hope women who are listening, people who are listening are getting a little more curious right now about how they can start pursuing uh, quality relationships because we need it to be happy people. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much for the work that you do. It's so needed and necessary. And the sisters are just going to benefit from this episode so much. So we love you. We love you, sisters. And we will catch you next episode. Thank you. 
Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.